1: what's up everybody may 9th edition of the fightful mma podcast yours truly joe ferrari your host you can follow me online at showdown joe on twitter uh, instagram and facebook of course give us a follow at fightful mma and go to fightful for all of your mixed martial arts news tuesdays my co-host will always be the infamous srs sean ross Sapp, who has long and nonstop maintained this issue with people like myself who are follically challenged or those who shave their head on a daily basis. And lo and behold, before we come on the show, I take one look at him and I see that mop on his head. And I just I, – I, I, I'm almost speechless, but I'm not. Sean, what's going on, brother? You're, you're, you're almost jealous, and you are. No.
0: Far from That's it, That's the situation. You are incredibly jealous of this beautiful hair that I have on top of my head,
1: which is just – tripled in length over the last two weeks. Uh, I wouldn't use beautiful and your hair in the same sentence. Sorry, I lost you for a second. Uh, I was going to say I wouldn't use beautiful uh, and hair, your hair, in the same sentence. That that that's I don't know what that is. I could probably take some rust off some tires somewhere on this, in this neighborhood with that thing. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you?
0: Yeah, I wanted to address one thing, guys. We had said that uh, we were going to do 90 minutes and that the show we would be plugging in segments. Me and the infamous Nigel, who you all maybe have seen and heard of on the Wednesday show, uh, we are working diligently – to make that happen, and oh boy, is it something else.
1: Well, we look forward to when you guys can finally actually do it, because I know the software, uh, from what I understand, is fantastic, uh, but we will get there, and it's going to be incredible what we are going to do with this Fightful uh, MMA podcast. I'm actually excited. Uh, I may be the host, I'm not the guy, quote unquote, uh, that'll be, quote, you know, behind the scenes as my co-host Sean, uh, who'll be in charge of all the different dials, which, do- which kind of scares me, what he can insert and yeah. not insert, but yeah. Scares uh, me. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll be looking at We already have the live chat going, guys. So if you're online with us right now, and I'll remind you as we go throughout the show here, uh, top right of your screen, uh, there's a live chat. By all means, you can join us at any time. Uh, there's already some comments and shots uh, taken uh, by Kyler James towards Mr. Sean Ross Sapp. Uh and, our, and Sean, I assume, has already replied, uh, that's not very nice, Sean.
0: Well, hey, you know what? He's got that little wrench next to his name because he's supposed to be trusted and supposed to be He's supposed to respect us as hosts. He's not supposed to say they look like Beavis with the hair. Kyler, I'm on your side. Actually, bro. the funny thing is I have actually met Kyler's mom before. I met him and his his mother, actually. That's just,
1: that's disturbing. But okay, I got you.
0: No, I met him in San Antonio. They were at the Royal Rumble.
1: Oh, no way. Okay, A good family. Cool. A good family, except for Kyler. He's, he's horrible. You and I have not... <laughs> <laughs> you and i have not uh shared the airwaves here uh on this uh, information superhighway if you will uh for quite some time uh, it's been over a week or so uh how you been pretty good trying like i said trying to figure out this new
0: software and that's what has taken up probably i would say a significant portion of my time we have some cool changes coming to Fightful. we have some new segments that, that wednesday show is blown up in popularity this one's going to blow up in popularity the boxing show who knew that people liked boxing
1: apparently they do that's impressive uh, that is impressive i actually had uh lunch uh actually before also, i mentioned what happened yesterday i had lunch with jimmy van uh last week uh, sounds terrible no jimmy van is the man i love jimmy he's he's just what does he eat he probably
0: eats craft ravioli he brings he goes to the store and he buys it and he finds like a microwave close and he's like Hey, does anybody have a microwave that I can use to heat up this ravioli that I brought to this restaurant?
1: No, 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 no. Uh, I know you call him eccentric uh, and, you know, it kind of sort of suits him uh but at the same time he's an absolute gentleman and he was actually cordial yes, when he asked is. me he asked me flat out uh just up from the office uh where he's located uh, he said do you want to go to an Italian restaurant knowing full well it's one of those things you generally don't ask uh an Italian I guess you can say the same thing if someone <laughs> is, is Chinese or Indian do you want to take them to where they're you know they grew up in that culture and I said no listen if, if, if it's a good restaurant I'm down with it it's just that I know Italian food and if I'm going to have some sort of pasta or pizza." you know, I'm, I'm picky with the sauce. He's like, well, I looked at the restaurant. I'm like, yeah, you know what? Let's go there. And it was fantastic. And Jimmy ordered, if I'm not mistaken, lobster ravioli. Uh, I just had, did uh, he yeah, <laughs> yeah, he did. He did, is, that did up, is that a real thing? First off, is that a real thing? hundred percent of this. If I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure that's what he ordered, but uh, okay. you know. uh, did he really order it? Yeah, he did. He did. If I'm not mistaken, he may have <laughs> gone with Perrier complete, water
0: as well. That was a complete guess. Like as a shoot, guys, I had no idea that Jimmy Van ate ravioli. Yeah, I could be wrong.
1: I hope I'm not, but I'm pretty sure it was lobster uh, ravioli. But uh, it was a good time. Uh, we discussed fightful MMA. Uh, we discussed a few different roles for yours truly. Uh, I know there was some speculation out there that I was gone. Uh, that was never ever going to be the never. case. Never. It was. It was just basically restructuring me uh, for the company. And you know, it's. I always had intentions to stay. It was just a matter of okay, how, what. Why, where, blah, 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 blah. So, uh, and then when he posted uh, that, that tweet afterwards, we're proud to say Joe Joe's staying. I was like, Jimmy, I was never leaving. I was never leaving. So, well, but yes.
0: Hey, we got to capitalize on it. We got to capitalize you. on this stuff. If people think that
1: you're leaving, we got to capitalize on the fact that you're not leaving. I, there so. was some social media mentions of me not being with Fightful. I'm like, did I miss something? I, clearly, I got fired. Clearly, I got released from my duties. They just uh-huh. haven't sent me the paperwork uh, to sign off on it. Uh, you know, there's a contract involved. I, I didn't see anything. But, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm here. Thank you, Adam Ball, on the actual uh, chat saying, glad to see you showed on Joe. Listen, I was never going anywhere. We were taking care of some business. And this will only get better. Uh, I did have the conversation about wrestling, boxing mixed martial arts, how they are three different demographics where at Fightful, we sort of have them bleed into each other. Uh, you mentioned mm-hmm. you, you're, you're surprised at boxing. Obviously, a big fight happened over the weekend. Another big fight from that fight uh, will be taking place. Um, personally, I'm not, I've never ever once said boxing is dead. Has it dropped down? Absolutely, in my opinion. Uh, but I also never realized how massive wrestling truly is uh, sports entertainment uh I've, I've been in the mma bubble for the better part of 20 years maybe more now uh so my focus has always been on the mma bubble i know how big it is how big it can be how small it's become especially in canada but are you surprised uh as a managing editor of fightful when you start looking at some of these numbers with the three different sports yeah with boxing yes because Oh, and, and it's
0: something that Jimmy and I have talked about. We think a part of that might be the lack of any other options. There aren't a lot of boxing podcasts out there. There aren't. MMA podcasts, yeah, it's funny because everybody has a wrestling podcast. Everybody. Not everybody has an MMA podcast, but it seems like every fighter has, a, has an MMA podcast, which is almost reversed because in wrestling – Every single person just has their own podcast, then all the wrestlers got into it in MMA it's the opposite like all the fighters are getting them and then slowly journalists are getting them and then fans are getting them with boxing there's just not a whole lot i mean a lot of the, the a lot of the analysts in boxing aren't necessarily top flight choices because they they can't uh it, it's hard for them to convey their points uh, in in a manner that is conducive to television broadcasts but uh, i, I you know, the more I thought about it, I was like, you know what? We got a couple of knowledgeable guys who are on those boxing podcasts. And it's just a matter of of being young in the game because MMA podcasting is still very, very young in the game.
1: It's uh, just yeah, what well, it true. boils down to. Absolutely, uh, and then the second thing I was mentioning before, I had a lunch uh, with a colleague of mine, someone I've known for quite some time. We just haven't really uh, ever had the opportunity to just be sort of on our own to discuss business and stuff like that. And he asked me flat out, you know, uh, about MMA, uh, about wrestling, and especially about boxing. And and I and I had the conversation with him. I think I talked with you about this before. Maybe maybe it was Frank Trigg at the time. Um, and I know there's probably some boxing heads that are tuned in right now, uh, or that may see this. And I don't mean this to be offensive. This is just a personal. St- thing for me um because my brain has now been wired to watch mixed martial arts where I'm always looking for a kick a takedown uh when I'm watching fights that when I watch boxing despite the beauty and the sweet science and the speed uh, and the combinations and the the bobbing and weaving and the footwork um it becomes overly monotonous for me where the options are there to do other things which you can't do in boxing so I, I, I technically find it I guess almost boring for my brain to digest um you yourself, I don't believe you believe that. I think you still enjoy the art. Yeah, I do. I mean,
0: the thing is, I love, I love the combination of all three, and I'm getting back into boxing more and more uh, with each day. That Anthony Joshua fight, it, it makes me, it made me love the sport of boxing in a way that I hadn't in in quite a while, but. I I, I love the aspect of podcasting. I love the aspect of writing. I love
1: the aspect of, of wrestling, MMA, boxing. I love it all, man. So it's been a while since we've seen a UFC card. And lo and behold, three weeks go by and we got a doozy. An absolute fantastic, uh, and the great words that, that Jimmy Van and you guys want me to use. Holy smokes, is this a solid, absolutely fantastic card? Do you want to get to that, or do you want to get to some of these headlines? Uh, I, I kind of want to talk about Daniel Cormier and John Jones. Uh, I put together an article that'll be up on Fightful MMA very soon about uh, you know dealing with MMA fans and just media love and hatred. Hey, you're the host.
0: UFC 211, headlines, whichever way you want to go, Joe, as long as – I'm just glad that you're here.
1: (laughs) I appreciate it. I do (laughs) want to talk about – thank you, sir. Uh, And I appreciate looking at your mop every time you speak because the camera switches over and I get to see that skull of yours. Um, I do want to say – before I get to the DC um, and John Jones and a lot of other things, because I, I will in, in sort of bring in George St. Pierre and Brock Lesnar and, and guys of that nature with my own experience uh, being, quote-unquote, a public figure, nowhere near their level, but I understand what they're doing. I want to discuss that momentarily, but I do want to get your thoughts on the rumor of Chuck Liddell potentially making a return to point I was like, I don't think so, and then everyone started throwing the Bellator thing my way. Uh, what is your take on that? quote-unquote rumor i i would 100 percent watch him crush some absolute can in bellator
0: a uh, greg nudge is that the guy that fought herschel walker bring him so. back <laughs> bring him back i'll i'll take it i'll watch it that if bellator wants to do that sure as long as he passes the the appropriate physicals and the appropriate drug tests that which you know Bellator's kind of iffy on I I would watch it. Yeah, I mean, if it's in the UFC, no. I mean, unless UFC got into the, the business of special attraction fights, which we're kind of in with CM Punk. But if it's in Bellator, really, it doesn't matter what promotion. If it's matched up correctly, yeah, I'll watch it. I'm okay with stuff like that because if not them, then it'll happen somewhere,
1: Joe, and you know it will because somebody will offer him money
0: to fight somewhere. Oh, he'll
1: fight in Russia if he has to i mean uh it's it's it, he's a yeah. draw. I don't think he would do that per se uh I also don't know if he would go to bellator uh the, might the, the only he team... fired him he might yeah well yeah, but there is a sense of loyalty uh, to Dana White and to the UFC, even though that it wasn't Dana that, that technically fired him. It was the new ownership that said, listen, d- these roles of you former champions and stuff, no. Uh, that, that's yeah. just money that we're trying to is, save here.
0: Is there, though? Because Dana White could afford to, to pay his salary himself out of what he made off yeah, yeah. that sale. Yeah, no, if
1: sense he got And he still got released. He still got released yeah nope, to- totally understand, but uh I think there's a sense of loyalty for Chuck Liddell towards the u f c and and the only way I could think that he would entertain doing something of this nature would be because he's financially strapped, and it's a big payday yeah, but financially strapped i mean he gets he still
0: gets like endorsement deals. Like what was that one that, that Duramax or not Duramax or the the AutoZone sponsorship yeah. he had? Yeah. Like I mean, it's years later and he's still kind of the face. Mm-hmm. Do you remember at that UFC Cincinnati event and uh, there were several others where there was the guy in the Chuck Liddell outfit, like the the mascot yep. outfit? Yep, I was like, that's the UFC mascot right there. That should be the UFC mascot. Like, you know, almost like uh, the guy, the NBA logo, I can't remember who it was. Uh Jerry West, maybe, or whoever it was, like that was almost identifiable with the NBA. Chuck Liddell should have been like that, that should have been the mascot. But you know, as it gets a little bit older, he's he slurs his speech a little bit. You can never count on on what he'll say at an interview. Sometimes he shows up and he's a little little out there. Uh so that's understandable if he wants to get a fight in at bellator i'm i'm 100 behind it as long as it's against greg nudge and not uh, and not um
1: like king mo yeah no it's um i personally don't want to see it I'm, I'm i'm gonna be flat out honest with you i don't, don't want to see chuck liddell return uh but if it happens you know i'm gonna watch it's just the way it goes Right, it's not. That I am anti. Oh, I'm not going to watch it. I, it's not that. It's it's just for his own health. And you know, I, I was there for the last three. I think I was there for his last six fights. I think, but the last three were obviously difficult to to endure, especially the Shogun fight. Um, I was there for the Rich Franklin fight, so I I, I saw I'd sort of come down. Um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I don't. Th- do you think it's going to happen though? That's the real question. Yeah, I do. I do.
0: Otherwise, none. His coach. And himself would have shot it
1: down immediately. True. True. Yeah. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. I just, I don't know. I, we'll see. We'll see. I do want to talk, though, <laughs> uh, about the Daniel Cormier uh, comments that he made about John Jones uh, and the fans and, and sort of embracing. Uh, this role that he's just, you know, the same thing happened to Rashad Evans. It's just this role the fans have thrust upon him. And again, I, I, I mentioned this in, in a manner where we don't get UFC on Fox here uh, in Canada or, or UFC today, excuse me. So I don't, we don't see that show on a regular basis. I have no idea how many times Daniel Cormier is on that show. Uh, I don't know what he brings to the table. If he brings off or he comes off as arrogant, uh, conceited, cocky, or just, you know, Doing what he has to do to come off as a heel. I don't know that. Uh, I am surprised at times when I see a guy like that booed versus a guy like John Jones, who's now basically getting cheered for the transgressions he's gone through and the stuff that he's done. You got Daniel Cormier, who, who basically came out and said, Man, they don't like me because I'm a family guy. They don't like me because after I'm done training my ass off all day, I kind of go home to my kids' soccer or baseball or go home to my fiancé-slash-wife. Uh, John Jones has also got a, you know, a girlfriend-slash-wife-slash-kids is a dad and finds himself in trouble all the time. Yet the fans now haven't turned on him. They're almost cheering him. Uh, I wonder if they're cheering him because they don't like D.C. Um, it's, it's one of those things where – When you're in the public eye, and I could speak on this because, you know, as a quote-unquote public figure here in Canada, I still get recognized. I got recognized yesterday during this lunch. I go pump gas, Sean. People ask me all the time, what's going on? How's this? How's that? Where's George St. Pierre? Is he going to beat Bisping? I get all that kind of stuff still when I go even to the local Walmart or whatever. I'm still recognized. And I learned a long time ago, you can't please everyone. No matter what you say. No matter what you do, whether I was on the left side of an argument, the right side of an argument, the politically correct side of an argument, I'm going to get haters. People are going to disparage me. They're going to rip me apart on social media no matter what I do. So I I quickly realized I'm just going to be me. This is me. This is who I am, and I know I'm going to get hate. It is what it is. You can be the nicest guy out there. They will find something wrong with you, whether, you know, guys like you say I'm bald. Uh, you know, I got a big nose. I've got a Canadian accent. Americans or Americans say I've got a Canadian accent. Canadians say I have an Italian accent. Italians say I, I sound like an American. This is me, man. This is who I am. So it's, for me, for DC, it's like he's embraced it. He's embraced it. They want to say they think I'm a heel. Let's do it. I mean, that's that's what he's at right now. I mean, your, your take on all this. It's an interesting conundrum because you look at last year's
0: pressers and this was happening. John Jones was getting cheered. Daniel Cormier was getting booed. And for a while, it was the opposite like John Jones was getting booed because people said that he was fake how How many times did you hear that? John Jones is fake he's fake, he's fake. Well, okay. The Daniel Cormier thing it's funny. My wife can't stand to watch him on t v and I'm like, "What is it? Why don't you like him?" She was like, "It's just how he comes off sometimes, and I was like, "Well, what do you mean?" She goes, "Well, you would be watching u f c tonight." And he would like – you could almost see him pick on Kenny Florian and Dominic Cruz, who are much smaller than him, like 50 pounds. They, you know, He would take little shots at them, and he'd be like, oh, well, I'm a big boy. I'm a big boy. I think stuff like that builds up, and maybe it is the fatigue of seeing him on TV every week and during the Fox broadcasts and during the post shows, all that stuff. And now they're going to get him doing commentary, which I think I've said before he's, he's fantastic at. John Jones you don't see that much of because he never fights and unless he's getting arrested or failing a drug test and doing a press conference you really don't see a lot of them. So maybe it's fatigue. It's really hard to say because you can't generalize an entire group of people that why they may like or dislike somebody, but it's 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 almost like the John Jones thing is like the Eddie Guerrero. He became beloved because he would do anything he possibly could to win. He would kick somebody in the balls. He would would throw a chair at somebody. They would catch it, and he would fall down and pretend like he got hit by the chair, and the ref would turn around and be like, what are you doing? John Jones does whatever it takes to win, and he screws up a lot, but people love a redemption story. Some people love a redemption story. It's really hard to put your finger on why this change has happened, but also Daniel Cormier comes off, sometimes as a crybaby to people like well I don't get what I deserve and John Jones gets everything well John Jones also hasn't lost I mean he lost via DQ once but yeah it's a tough one
1: yeah so I mean it's it's being loved or being hated uh also has its its merits uh just ask Chael Sonnen um you know he he realized real quick wait a second my, my fighting is not doing the talking here. I, I got to figure this out. And he became the Chael son that we know today. Uh, Connor McGregor, you can say, caught lightning in a bottle, but he has, he's charismatic enough to understand that. You know what? I'm going to be me. I'm going to talk. He's got the gift of gab uh, and he does a fantastic job and he's put himself in a situation where he's one boxing boat away from a massive payday that no UFC fighter probably in their whole career combined may ever make that kind of money. Uh, even the elite guys, uh, he is going to make some killer money if he can fight Floyd Mayweather. So there are guys out there. Ali Aquinta has adopted this stance and... Oh boy. Yeah. Uh, I, I've maintained, and I will always maintain, if there's a character trait that I have, Sean Ross Sapp, is I will always maintain, I, I don't care what this person says, I don't care what that person says, I need both sides of the story before I can make an assessment. I may retweet, I may laugh uh, at, at whatever each individual or party says, but it doesn't mean I come up with a full positioning on a situation. Well, the story of ally of versus the UFC continues to get deeper uh, and it's gone deeper. Uh, Some information has come out. He has been, he's been put on the band list in terms of um, uh, performance bonuses. Uh, He, he knew this ahead of time. Uh, didn't really share that. Uh, the news has come out. Uh, the UFC is not happy with some of the stuff that he has done. Hence, the reason why you know, from from apparently trashing a hotel room to not showing up to the UFC fe- or fighter summit, to not even telling them he wasn't coming when there was a there was a car waiting for him uh, in Vegas to pick him up. He didn't even board the plane to leave New York to come to Vegas or to go to Vegas, excuse me. Um, A bunch of different things have been happening with Ally Quinta complaining about, you know, knee surgery. Uh, The UFC begging, or you had to beg the UFC for it. When the UFC said it's a chronic injury, we don't have to pay for it, but we paid for it. So the stories are going back and forth. He said, she said, somewhere in the middle is usually the truth. So you have Ally Quinta who continues to just go nuts. He even went after this quote-unquote anonymous UFC rep uh, who, who gave up this information and he's still going after them. So Ali Quinta has embraced this almost Diaz brother, anti-establishment, anti-the-man sort of stance. I love it, but when it comes to the truth – I don't know who's telling the truth. I just take the information and say, here you go, viewers of the Fightful MMA podcast and listeners on iTunes and Stitcher. This is what we have right now. I wonder if the <laughs> the outspoken New York real estate agent gimmick
0: will get over as well as the outspoken stoner gimmick from Stockton, California. I don't think so. Also, Al Aquinta didn't look as good uh, coming out of this situation as he could have when when it was revealed that he didn't let the UFC know that he wasn't coming and didn't let them know about a car. Sure. I understand that. I think maybe he should have been prevented from getting a bonus, maybe one or two fights. I think three is a little egregious. Also, he was really upset about not getting that bonus. I don't know if he gets that bonus, even if he's eligible. There were a lot of finishes on that show. There was a rear naked choke that, Put somebody out cold. There was a Von Flu choke somehow. Ovent St. Prue, I don't know. <laughs> Mike Perry elbowed Jake Ellenberger into death. Like uh, there was the Barberina finish. There was the Sandoval finish. He might not have gotten that anyway. He wasn't getting fight of the night for for that. So, you know, maybe he doesn't get that finish at all. I mean, it was a great finish, but there were a lot of finishes on that show. But yeah, I think maybe they should should just resend that and say, oh, well, that was your punishment.
1: Yeah. Uh, I I don't know how this is going to ever work itself out. And I I maintain, I don't, this guy's a conflicted individual like Quint is. Uh, I don't know what he's planning on doing. If he ever plans to return on fighting, because obviously he's got the gimmick there, not the gimmick, the actual career uh, in real estate. So we'll see where it goes. Um, How he's doing. How do you think he's doing with that? Unfortunately, I can't find out because my mortgage license is just for the province of Ontario. Uh, if he was in Ontario, Damn. I can technically find out. But you can also find out. Listen, uh, I can I can assure you right now, ladies and gentlemen out there, uh, real estate agents, many of them, not all of them. Uh, there's there's some legit guys and girls out there, but many of them embellish uh, what they do. Uh, I'm a one million dollar seller, or I'm a ten million dollar seller. So you sold four houses. All right, cool. In a year, good job. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I don't I see, know what I else. I see it. that he has he has two
0: listings. One is for $350,000. One is for $400,000. One in Freeport, New York. One in Uniondale. One is a seven bed, four bath. What? Wow. I should buy that place. What? It doesn't look that great. I okay, mean, I'm for that, that amount. Okay. I mean, a word to the wise. Those of you who are selling <laughs> your homes. Now, I've never sold a home. The one that I'm in is basically on a land contract. First off photograph your homes in the day because if you take (laughs) if you take pictures of your house at night to me who has never been in your house i don't know the layout it looks like you're in a horror movie no matter what i'm like you know what that is completely strange to me i'll probably get serial murdered there do that also clean up your house staging it's called staging people don't want to see the way you have it laid out they want to see the potential of how they might have it laid out they want to see it empty
1: i see a real estate option uh career in your life there sir
0: hey this is just me looking around at houses i thought about buying a house in my old hometown and the internet was so bad there i literally couldn't move there
1: <laughs> I believe, yeah um, no. That Nowadays, bad. that's important. Nowadays, it's extremely important. I want to, you know, personally, uh, you know, my, my wife is forever talking about selling because the property value of the homes in my neighborhood has skyrocketed in comparison to what we paid for it uh, five years ago. Uh, I said, I'm, I'll move, but I'll move. I need land. I need land. I want, you know, like whatever, an acre around me. It is Canada. Okay, it is Canada. So we have yeah. plenty of land up here, uh, but I want land and preferably near a lake or near a golf course or both. And then I always realize... If you have land, you may not have internet. Oh yeah, see, I'm the opposite. I want a big house and no land,
0: none. I need something for my cats to run around in, like that. The house, I need some space. That's it. I'm good. I keep telling Jimmy, "Hey, relocate me to Toronto. I'll do these shows live <laughs> with Joe, you and
1: Joe. I'll do it. We can get her done. We can go down to the office there uh, and have. He's got a nice little spot uh, in Midtown Toronto, a uh, nice area too. You want to buy a uh, place down there, Mike? Goodness, are you going to be paying a lot of freaking money? Uh, George St. Pierre uh, has informed Michael Bisping. Yeah, we can fight, just preferably after October. Why? He's got to put weight on. That's my only thing. He's got to put the right weight on uh, and do it properly uh, and quote-unquote not juice. I don't That's my quote, by the way, Uh, but not do it in a manner that would be considered illegal. He wants to do it naturally. And it takes time to put that weight on. That is my only assumption that is pure speculation from yours. Truly. No, there is no text uh, or phone call that I've had with George to discuss that. But other than that, that's all I can think of is putting on more bulk to face a bigger guy while maintaining his speed. And to do that, you need to do it slowly. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I think that's probably
0: what he, what he has to do, but uh, he, uh, man, he's this is this has been coming for a while. Like, I don't know why. I mean, he's been talking about this shit for years. Like, why can't he just? I I hate to sound confused and perplexed on on one of our shows, but he confuses me. He constantly confuses me. He got this opportunity. He now now in addition to getting this opportunity, which already holds up that division, he's holding up the division even more. So he's not endearing himself. And at this point, I'm like, okay, why aren't you booking Anderson Silva versus Yoel Romero for an interim title if you don't know when this title fight's going to happen?
1: I don't get it. Anderson Silva says he is off the 212 card. Dana White says, if you want to retire, if you're saying you you want to retire, be my guest. You should absolutely retire. Uh, A.K.A. this is negotiations through the media, uh, getting your opinion or voice out there. Um, I... This interim title situation uh, now begins to make sense after George does come out and say, you know what? Hey, Michael, I'd love to fight you. I want to fight you. I still want to fight you. Can we do it after October? Which, in essence, takes Michael out of the division for quite some time, almost a year. Maybe it could be a year in and around that time frame after he defended, against Dan Henderson. So to do so, I could understand if the UFC decides, you know what? Yeah, we now need an interim title because our champion is not defending it or do you just go ahead and say, George? Sorry, Romero gets the title shot.
0: Well, you can't withdraw that that title fight. I mean, it's already been announced, and and you got to do it. You do that things fight. Crazy things have they happened.
1: That's true. They have.
0: right. And that UFC 212 card, it needs one more big fight without Anderson Silva on it. You got Aldo Holloway, Gadalia Kovolkovich, and Belfort's retirement fight uh Sun Sal Mar- Marias, that's a, that's a good one, but it needs one more fight. Speaking of, I'll be at a wedding that evening, but I think I'll get back in time to do the show. Uh, and, and Dana White, despite that being a negotiation tactic, he has been consistent in saying, if you even say retirement and you consider it, go ahead and do it. So that I can appreciate.
1: Yep. Infinity007 wants to know if there's any decent bets to put on uh, UFC 211. And I do thank uh, handsome Pat Fannin uh, for replying on my behalf. I do an article. We don't don't thank him for anything. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I do an article every Friday, generally before a UFC event. After I've analyzed, Uh, I take a look at the lines available Uh, on the boats as well as some propositions i like to call them fun bets because props in my opinion are fun bets uh and there's always some good not i should say always i would say 99 percent of the time there are some good fun bets on a lot of ufc cards where you can take a look at and say as opposed to putting 100 bucks down to make 110 i can put 100 bucks down and get 700 back uh and i take a look at those options uh you know i've I've, if i actually took my own advice i would probably made Pretty good money considering I don't wager yeah. on any sports whatsoever. I'd have probably made some good money, especially when Damian Maya took on Carlos Condit. That proposition or that fun bet, excuse me, was huge. The submission, and I was like, I can't believe happening. Uh, there's one right there. But uh, yeah, uh, Infinity 007, I will have something up for this Friday uh, with this card coming up at UFC 211, which is absolutely freaking stacked. Holy smokes, this thing is absolutely nuts. 14 fights if I'm not mistaken, uh, Mr. Sap. I don't know if do you want to go through all of them or do you want to start off uh, maybe with the headliner for the UFC Fight Pass prelims? Yeah, let's start off with the headliner for the, the Fight Pass prelims. Jessica Aguilar taking on Courtney Casey, this is a good scrap, man. I like this. I know Jessica quite well, having done – she's jumped in the uh, Titan FC booth a few times uh, to just to talk about some of the fights uh, and break down some of the fights with Kamara Usman and myself. Uh, Courtney Casey has her hands full, but, you know, I wouldn't be surprised uh, if Courtney someway somehow uh, comes out victorious. She is the favorite right now at minus 125. Yeah,
0: they – it's funny because they didn't do Aguilar any favors in her first fight. They're like, okay uh, – World Series of Fighting champion, come on over here, fight Gedalia. <laughs> now yeah. that was isn't it crazy to think how long ago that was?
1: Yeah, it was. Yeah, you're right.
0: August 2015. Am I Two right? Years ago. Yeah, yeah. It, I can't believe it's been that long. And yeah, she. I, I think she. What she tore ACL. It was. I think she tore. I think she tore episode ACL episode. against. Okay. She was supposed to fight uh, Julian Lima like at, at 197, I remember. Now, Courtney Casey, she's won uh, two of three, and her last loss was to Gedalia last year. So I think this is a fair fight to add uh, to put Aguilar in to test her knee, to test her, her will. And if Courtney Casey wins, you can say, hey, this is a, a win over a woman who uh, many considered the number one
1: ranked woman in that division for a very, very long time. Oh well, she was. Yeah, definitely. Jessica was, uh for quite some time, but she's not getting any younger. So there's a challenge here, uh, of not just the ring rust, quote unquote octagon rust, uh, but Courtney's gonna bring it to her. Uh Jessica's seasoned. I'll give her that. She's a seasoned veteran. Uh Pretty much seen it all. Uh, she's been in there in the division. Uh, she was a champ. Obviously been in the, in the division with someone who uh, you, know, you can arguably, arguably say is number three in the world, number two in the world. Um, so, yeah, this is going to be an interesting scenario in terms of how she deals with, with, the, you know, with Courtney Casey uh, up and coming. If we move on to the preliminary card, that's going to be on FX, to my understanding. Yeah. Is that true? I don't know how that yeah, happens.
0: it's going to be on FX, which is funny because we're back to the days of I don't know what channel this shit is on. Fuel, Ion, FX, Fox Sports 1, Fox Sports 2, Spike, Facebook, YouTube, Fight Pass. I don't know. My Network TV, UPN. I don't think it was ever on those two. But, yeah, we got it. We got, you know, the the Skelly-Jason Knight fight is going to be fun. Not a lot to break down there because you can't break down a Jason Knight fight. It's just going to awesome. go in there and swing. Yeah, Jason or James Vick and, and Reyes, that's going to be another good one. But the two I'm particularly interested in, Dave Branch coming over, and then Eddie Alvarez looking to bounce back. But the Dave Branch one, boy, that, that's an interesting one. 35 years old, and he went on just one of – like he's probably – man, he's got it. I think he's the best World Series of Fighting fighter ever, even better than Mar- Marias and Gaethje in what he accomplished. Because he he won those two championships and defended them both, and I think that's that's just utter that's just completely impressive. Now, the the level of talent I was just gonna say it, the level kind of, of, of talent's a little bit different, yeah. And it kind of fell off. Like he fought tougher people towards the beginning, like Philo and Jesse Taylor and Yushin Okami. But um, I mean, still, you can't accidentally win like ten fights in a row and defend each of your championships two or three times. So, I get a lot of respect for him, and it's it, this is a good test for him.
1: Jocko's no joke. I mean, Jocko's going to bring five it.
0: Five wins in a row. 19 yeah.
1: and one. So, this 185-pound division remains to me something that, that continues to impress. I just like the way it continues to develop. Not that these two guys are going to be uh, upwards in contention uh, after this fight here, but in a division that continues to grow the way it's growing and so much conversation, uh, not just from the top with George St. Pierre and Michael Bisping, the champ uh, with Anderson Silva, you Romero and, and what, you know um, what's the nickname they're trying to give Robert Whitaker, bloody, no knuckles. Bobby
0: Bobby knuckles. Knuckles. No,
1: and he's trying,
0: he's trying to make it not happen and too bad it's happening. I love it.
1: I think that's a fantastic nickname, but it's a division again, that is getting some love. Uh, And I, you know, if it continues to get love you want to continue winning if you are competing in it um the chaskelly jason knight fight like you said jason knight it's very difficult to ascertain what exactly he's going to do in a fight other than simply try and knock the guy's head through the cage over the cage into the second row uh chaskelly better be very careful in this fight here and god you know gauge that distance correctly um i I, i'm taking jason in this fight that's obvious are you
0: yeah, but I mean, if it goes the other way, given given Skelly's Jason Knight's. St- Skelly's a minus yeah. one pretty favorite. Yeah, given given uh, Jason Knight's style, I, I wouldn't be surprised. And Chas Skelly is one of those guys who really likes to capitalize on pe- other people's mistakes and, and make them pay for it. So, yeah, it's. Oh, I can't wait for this fight, though.
1: Good yeah, fight. It's going to be fun. Uh, listen, anything after this fight here. Is just ridiculous. It's crazy. It's almost uh-huh. as nutty right now as the live chat, where these guys are going nuts talking about crappy channels. But uh, okay,
0: UPN uh, man, we we had to watch Smack. <laughs> WWF SmackDown was on UPN for years, and nobody could watch it. It was terrible.
1: Uh, yeah. It just I don't know. It goes. To sh- I don't know what to think about the UFC in in the Canadian, or in the um, American broadcast realm uh, to hear this kind of stuff because you you mock it nonstop, no, nonstop. You mock it, and you're right. Uh, what channel is it on? I mean, now it's going to be on FX. Why isn't it on FS1 or or FS2? Uh, I know there's other sporting entities that have probably different. Um, I guess you could say if this, if they get the first right on the channel before the UFC does, and and there's a hierarchy at every station. Um, So yeah, we'll see what happens. But like I said, every fight that we're about to speak about now moving forward is ridiculous, stupid, unreal. Awesome. Headlining this FX preliminary card is Eddie Alvarez, the former lightweight champion of the world and Dustin Poirier. This fight's going to be absolutely ridiculous because Eddie Alvarez is looking to make a name for himself again in this division. While Dustin Poirier knows he needs to win to remain in contention if he ever thinks he's going to get a shot uh, at that 155-pound title. I love this fight. These guys are going to bang. I don't like Dustin Poirier's chances banging. I should say I don't like his chances standing and banging with Eddie Alvarez. I kind of like Eddie in the stand-up. Uh, I think Dustin needs to take this down on the ground and control him. Not in a boring fight but in almost a TKO ground-and-pound fight. What say you, sir?
0: Yeah, I do, and it's it's going to be particularly interesting to see how Eddie bounces back after the, the McGregor loss. And the funny thing is, I don't know if you've noticed this, but Eddie Alvarez seems more carefree now than I've ever seen him before. He doesn't have a McGregor fight looming over him with all that trash talk. He doesn't have a Bellator contract situation looming over him. He doesn't have the battle of... Working his way up to a title fight looming over him, and I saw this interview he did where he's talking about Conor McGregor and uh, about his potential of uh, his potential fatherhood. And Eddie Alvarez seemed like so relaxed, and he said, "Well, if he's as ten percent as committed to being a father as he is a fighter, he's going to be great at it." And I I've, like I, it's just a demeanor that I haven't seen from Eddie Alvarez. And when you see that type of demeanor, you don't know how to translate to the cage for better or for worse. Dustin Poirier, we know his demeanor. <laughs> his demeanor is what it's been forever. He's got a chip on his shoulder. He always feels that way. And since moving to lightweight, I mean, moving to lightweight was one of the, the best things he could have possibly done. He's, what, 5-1 and one there? And this is a good matchup in that for the UFC, like if, if Eddie Alvarez loses – well, he lost to D- Dustin Poirier. There ain't nothing wrong with that. And and the same could be said for Dustin Poirier. He lost to a former champion. There is a way to rebuild this. Eddie Alvarez isn't going to face Conor McGregor ever again, ever again. But if you want to keep him up there with the elite, you have him face a guy like Dustin Poirier. As you mentioned, Poirier is more than capable of finishing this on the feet, but will he? I I don't know. They both have the ability to finish it on the feet. But it's, it's a matter of will we see the Eddie Alvarez that we saw uh, against Rafael Dos Anjos, or are we going to see the one that, that maybe we we saw before that that didn't necessarily have the most exciting fights? Either way, this is one of the biggest FX fights. God, I can't or not FX.
1: One of the biggest prelim fights I can remember them putting on. You make a valid point there uh, with Eddie Alvarez. The option potentially – not that he ever plays it safe – but you did say, quote unquote, boring. Do you think he may want to play it safe with Dustin Poirier? Yeah, I don't think. I think he is.
0: Maybe he fears getting embarrassed again. That's always because that he point. was. Yep. He was embarrassed by Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor did exactly what he said he was going to do to Eddie Alvarez, he beat the brakes off of him. Not only that, embarrassed him leading up to it, said you didn't renegotiate your contract, all this that stuff. That was unbelievable in that press conference when he said that. And you can kind of see it in Eddie Alvarez. Maybe he, he feared getting embarrassed and stuff. And that is, that is always a concern. You don't want to get the floor mopped with you like like what happened to him. So, I, yeah, it's, it's hard for me to predict like stylistically how this fight will go down because we don't know what frame of mind that Eddie Alvarez is going to be in despite you know me saying that his demeanor was a bit different.
1: Yeah. But yeah, it's. But yeah, it... Go ahead. Sorry. No, nope, no. Nope. I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to this fight. It's the one that, that, you know, it's one of the fights where I said, oh, I can't wait to see it go down. And then I go, I look up and down this card. I'm like, holy smokes, man. Yeah. You, you get into the main card, uh, the main pay per view card to kick things off. We may have the next challenger for Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. And that only happens if Sergio Pettis can take out Henry Cejudo, who's already taken on the champ. This is going to be a fantastic fight. One would assume. Uh, I'm going to take a look at the odds here. Uh, uh, Excuse me. Cejudo is a massive favorite at minus 400 uh, versus Sergio Perez, who can outstrike Henry Cejudo, but he will not be able to control Henry Cejudo. So this is going to be an interesting dynamic to see what he does in training to understand you cannot let this wrestler get near you, especially this very extremely fast wrestler who's not afraid to throw punches and kicks, not afraid to engage, not afraid to throw overhand rights, uh, and is you know is, is proven that he's a great fighter, just happens to be in the division where the champion is just on a different level than almost every mixed martial artist in every single division. So uh, as much as we want to see Sergio Pettis win this fight so we get another challenger for Dimitri johnson i don't know if that's gonna happen mr sap
0: yeah i don't either and so striking like looked worlds different against against joseph benavides even in an alleged loss because i mean you know I, I i never forget i told you so i told you benavides was somehow gonna win that fight but he really didn't win that fight mm-hmm. uh his strike, Cejudo looked much more comfortable. This fight and the next one, Edgar uh, versus Rodriguez, draw a lot of comparisons because P- Pettis and Rodriguez both implement those kicks so often, but if you implement those kicks against these two guys, Cejudo and Frankie Edgar, you're going to end up on your back, on your side, maybe face down if if you leave any margin of error because they'll put their head into you and they'll drag you and they'll take you down. That That's just how it is. Sergio Pettis, this yeah, it's going to be tough for him to close the distance without getting kicks, and or for him to him to get in range, striking range, without getting taken down, without using kicks. But that being said, with both of these guys, Rodriguez and Pettis, sometimes all it takes is one kick to end the fight.
1: Yeah. So absolutely, you're absolutely correct. So I mean, it it all depends on how this goes down, and and it, it, it just simply to me. Breaking this down, it's it's all about distance for Sergio Pettis because there's 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 a lot of stake for both guys, Sean. Obviously Sehudu wants to remain relevant, uh to, to some way somehow get that opportunity to get a second crack at the title. I don't know if it's going to happen anytime soon, but Pettis finds himself one win away, in my opinion, because he's the guy in the division. I know uh Hats some Pat fan on the live chats, you know, putting up there saying if Pettis loses, we get Borg Johnson and that might just drive Sean Ross yep. absolutely insane. But yeah you know it's it it is it's that's potentially what could happen it is a division where you know you kind of want new challengers for Demetrius good guys I think Pettis technically would be great fight or a good fight at least for Johnson but he's got to get past the Hudo and Sean actually mentioned this a while ago it's almost as if the UFC should never have booked this fight yeah
0: it was it was it was a dumb booking uh Pettis on, on the streak he's on three in a row against Sahudo who has lost two in a row. Why would you do that? Just That doesn't make any sense. There are a bunch of guys that could have probably had it's, – it's weird. It's not hard to construct things in a way that can't fail for you. You don't get to pick the winners, but you got two guys, and one of them has to win. Like You can set up a mini tournament in your head, without saying we've got a tournament going on here. You know what I mean? Now, granted, there are people that turn down fights, but slide somebody else in there. Eventually, one of those guys is going to win three fights in a row. 100%.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's you know mixed martial arts promotion. Uh, it, it's not rocket science per se. There is a science to it, but it's not rocket science. And I think you just nailed it on the head uh, in terms of taking a look at what the UC could have did before they actually made this fight public um the next fight on this card is very intriguing for yours truly uh, obviously knowing frankie edgar the way i do and having spent time with him all across the pl- actually the planet the, the, on the earth uh especially in bahrain with him and hanzo gracie and uh and herbie and um uh, you know we had tons of great times out there uh but man is he under pressure here uh taking on i guess Yair Rodriguez, not really an upstart, but man, the dude's a killer. Frankie's a favorite, minus 140. Uh, Yair Rodriguez is a plus 120. Um, This kid's fantastic. And Frank, I think all the pressure on this fight is obviously on Frankie Edgar. Uh, He has to win this fight. He cannot let this young upstart beat him and almost supersede him in any sort of title talk at 145 pounds. Frankie Edgar... Is and that's just playing a gatekeeper here, uh, preventing someone like Yaya Rodriguez from moving up the ranks and getting anywhere near, um, you know, Jose Aldo Jr. and Max Holloway. Oh, I think if, if Rodriguez wins, he's in the
0: title fight. Uh, I think he gets a title fight without a doubt. Penn and Edgar back to back. Who else is there? Ricardo Lamas, Cub Swanson. I would that'd not. be one. But I, I I can't put stock in that Penn fight. There's no chance. Yeah. No. Well, I mean, you can't. But um, Jabroni McGee sitting on his couch <laughs> up the road who doesn't know any better. Jabroni McGee. All right. Yeah. Cub Swanson. I mean, and if not, if not that title fight, because, you know, Jose Aldo doesn't like to fight very much. Then Cub Swanson versus Yair Rodriguez after that, because that would be uh, an absolute war. But the, the thing is, is you got to just assume that uh, Frankie Edgar is going to win until he just doesn't win anymore. And, Frankie Edgar has lost, like, what, one time in four years now? Mm -hmm. One time in four years. He can't win a title fight to save his life in, in, like, four or five years. But you look up and down the the names that he's beaten. Charles Oliveira, BJ Penn, Cub Swanson, Uriah Faber, Chad Mendez, and Jeremy Stevens, who – but still –
1: (laughs) <laughs> like that's where we need the new done, software man. that you have sean the new software that we're going oh, it's, to use, it's happening you got to put that in there and every so often you got to hit that button with conor mcgregor's voice saying who the is that guy we need it we need it we need it we need it sorry go ahead and a lot of the people that he fights they just
0: aren't the same after they fight him gray maynard never the same after he fought him bj penn i, I think maybe he was never the same going into that Faber, not really, you know, uh, Mendez never came back. Jeremy Stevens, I I don't think Jeremy Stevens will ever be a top 10 UFC featherweight again. So no, no, not at this point. I have to assume that Frankie Edgar is going to win. Would it surprise me to see Yaya Rodriguez win? Absolutely not because he's, he's, he's a tornado.
1: Yeah, that is the exact, exact. Definition. He is the definition of a mixed martial arts tornado. Adam Ball, by the way, uh, makes an interesting point. Adam, I think you are mentioning. Uh, he said, uh, I think he was basically referring to the Henry Cejudo-Sergio Pettis fight. If it ends in a draw, Pettis the- will get the title shot. Okay, so that's all I want to hear. That's exactly. I, I concur. The odds of it ending in a draw. You want a fun bet, ladies and gentlemen? Put it on that because that's probably. Hey, not you know what? Happen. Yeah,
0: actually, it might happen. Like, what if, what if uh, Sergio Pettis? Just hacks away at the legs of so, uh, of Cejudo for two rounds. Then that third round, sudo takes him down. And where is this fight? Is this in Dallas? Have they adopted the new rules? Probably not. It's Dallas, dude. Probably not. It's Texas. Yeah. But if he absolutely pounds him out, I mean, I could see that happening. Wrestling striker battles, that, that tends to happen a little bit more because wrestlers can take top control and pound away and get that 10-8 round. Now, if this were in Vegas – Man, that beca- you're going to see a lot more draws in Vegas because of that, because those 10-8s are being used uh, more liberally.
1: Plus 5,500 for this fight to end in a draw. Adam Ball, a you that. might – you might be onto something, my friend. You might be onto something. Plus fifty five hundred as we speak. If you think Sergio Pettis and Henry Cejudo could potentially end in a draw, Yair Rodriguez, as we mentioned, um, is a plus one twenty underdog to minus one forty. Frankie Edgar, um, it's th- he is a tornado. Uh, sorry, Rodriguez is. That is going to be a sick fight. It's one I'm obviously paying close attention to, only because my affiliation with Frankie or, or my under you know my, my my appreciation for what he's done for me in my career. just a cool dude he's hilarious and his dad's awesome by the way his dad's a freaking mess i love that guy so much (laughs) um there there was something that that stone osborne mentioned on the chat saying uh expletive because i'm not going to swear this could be kids watching this ladies and gentlemen uh frankie has to be a hall of fame inductee the second he retires in the cage right there signed and done definitely definitely no, I agree. And people are talking about like the Grey Maynard trilogy, uh, one of the best ever in MMA. Uh, I'll never forget that fight, the third fight that they had. And the question I asked uh, I, think I asked Dana and I asked, I, I think I asked all three of them uh, about the actual trilogy um, and, and their thoughts. And I asked Dana specifically, you know, is this one of the best, if not the best? Uh, I think Grey Maynard may have uh, interjected and said, I don't know what else i need to do to knock this guy out i can't bring a kitchen sink uh into the cage i did everything he just won't go away and it was just the dejection you saw in gray's face was something else but man those those fights were absolutely sick uh, and fantastic i think i was there for all three of them if i'm not mistaken like it's just incredible to watch those two gentlemen put on a show for the for the mixed martial arts fans uh speaking of putting on I, shows sorry go ahead gray gray maynard
0: gray maynard might get in there under the
1: the fight wing of the hall of fame as well because oh, of that, they have to. That's just absolutely freaking. They have to, especially with that foot. Those fights there. Um, speaking of dominant fighters, killers, murderers. I fear her. I've interviewed her. I've looked her in the eyes. She seduced me. I was in love and realized she'll kill me. <laughs> Step Whoa. away. We with didn't talk, microphone. Maya Amazvedal. No, Maya Masvidal. We're going to talk about the championship fight first. I want to talk about – actually, you want to go in that order? Then we can do that. Uh, Neither one of those two gentlemen seduced me. I just want to make that clear. I was referring to a female. Her name was uh, Johanna Yajacek. We will get to her momentarily. Well, let's be
0: honest. If Masvidal –
1: if Maya wanted to seduce you on the ground, he would find a way to do it. I've rolled with Maya. I rolled with Maya in London Notaria at Adrenaline, uh, where Mark Hominick, Chris Ordesky, and the boys, Sammy Stout, have a gym. Uh, he was up there for a seminar. Uh, texted him. I said, I'm coming up there. We'll do some stuff for sports night. He's like, bring your gi and blah, 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 blah. So I got to roll oh, with no. him with a gi and without the gi. No <laughs> gi. <And laughs> it's-
0: this, is, this is one of the most intriguing fights on the card for me uh, because Mazvidal is a little underrated on the ground. Now he's not going to be able to do anything to Maya, but hasn't been tapped out since the famous Toby, Toby Imada inverted triangle. Inverted triangle. Yes. Yeah. It's been that long since he's been submitted. Uh, that's, that's really the story of it is Masvidal striking versus Maya's grappling. And the winner should probably fight uh, Tyron Woodley. Who says later he's already training for July. Yeah. And if it's Masvidal, you know he's down. You know he'll do it. And if Maya wins, you know that he won't be
1: hurt because he
0: never gets hurt.
1: There'll be a stat somewhere that shows how many times he got hit in this fight. And it might be, I think the over-under is probably 10. 0.5, even me. if he, even if he loses, he'll only get hit once.
0: <laughs> this is yeah. the way. This is the way. Yeah, that's, is.
1: that's such an intriguing fight, just for the for the very dynamics of of the old school skill set of the old school, skillset, the old school matchup. I, I, I can't wait to see it. Uh, does Damian Maya get this fight down on the ground and submit Masvidal? Will Masvidal prove that Damian Maya, once he gets hit again, is 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 going down? Uh, we got. Two more fights to go. Co-main event, Yohani Adjacek taking on Jessica Andraj, A lot of people are looking at Jessica Andraj as the queen, potentially, to dethrone the current queen. Uh, I don't know about that. Uh, I know the odds are very, very close, or potentially close, close uh, with Andraj just a plus 135 underdog uh, to Yohani Adjacek's minus 155. Uh, I am leaning towards the champ in this fight. Uh, I don't know what a finish, but it, it, it could get ugly. Yeah, I, I
0: am too, and the thing about Andrade is there was a pretty solid blueprint blu- uh, blueprint drawn up by Gedalia on how to do your best against Joanna, but you got to be able to sustain it. And we've seen nothing that lends us to believe that she can sustain this for five rounds. But th- that being said, we had seen nothing to lead us to believe that Cody Garbrandt could do what he did against Dominic Cruz last year. And Jessica Andrade is a woman who has competed with – if there's a weight division around right now or maybe upcoming or around before she's fought people who have competed as the best of that division uh whether it's Angela Angela Hill, Joanne Calderwood, uh Jessica Panay, who fought at 105 before, uh, Raquel Pennington who's rocking the shit at 135, Rosie Sexton who is one of the the greats among a bunch of different divisions. She's competed with, with all that Marion Renault, who's very good as well. The thing is, Joanna really likes to control the pace and she slows people down with teeps. Then when she gets confidence, she puts together her strikes. Where this fight, I think, will be contested is against the cage, and they have really different game plans up against that cage. And Draj likes to just slug it out. Like she likes to really just. Wail away with strikes. Meanwhile, Ioana kind of picks and chooses. You see her slowly dissecting the opponent, and they're just sitting there with their hands up like this. like They're like, oh, shit, I know what's coming. I just want to avoid the one to my face. And she gets to pick body, uh, really anywhere, uh, chin, jaw. She gets to pick. This very well could end up being a cage war. And the thing is, to win this fight, Andrade has to be, In range. And the thing is, to get in range with Joanna Janjacek is very dangerous because of the elbows, because of the kicks, because of all that. Uh, Joanna has to capitalize on the five round aspect of this fight, I think.
1: uh, And she'll do that in range, I believe. Absolutely. Uh, Stone Osborne's all over the live chat with some serious stuff there. I really like uh, what he's putting up there. the last one was, was kind of he says that you know Frankie Edgar literally broke Gray Maynard was never the same after that trilogy and, and yeah, I have to agree because you know considering the beatings that Frankie took in that fight he kept going and still continued great with his career uh, and you can you can't make the argument that Gray like you said earlier Sean was never the same after that trilogy so good on Stone Osborne who also says I want Joanne Calderwood to start recording audiobooks I would buy uh yeah dude it wouldn't. I mean, it yeah wouldn't. Joanne Calderwood in that beautiful voice I've interviewed her. <laughs> Oh, Sean Rossap, Junior Santos, main event, Stephen Miocic. For the baddest man on the planet, heavyweight champion in the world, will it be and new and still or and again?
0: Usually I hate them running rematches. Like, I, I, just, I just hate it. I just want fresh matchups, but this was such a good fight. A lot of people don't realize that Stipe Miocic is actually older than Junior Dos Santos, which is a little weird to think because Dos Santos was champion like, what, five or six, seven years ago? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: It's it's crazy to think. Uh, This is a super interesting fight to me, one, because the first one was so good, but Miocic has a reach advantage, but (laughs) it's, it's, it's negligible, kind of. It's like three inches and at heavyweight, you just never know, but the thing is, Miochik likes to fight inside. Meanwhile, Dos Santos, who has the shorter reach, likes to fight at range. Junior Dos Santos was able to drop Miochik and Miochik was able to take him down, but Dos Santos was also able to, to capitalize on maybe a not yet prime Miochik who, if you remember, was like kind of giggling at Dos Santos's corner and then got taken down right after that. Miochik's, uh, footwork when I when I watched it back, it was a little questionable at times. And when he was really squared up, yeah, the shot that Dos Santos used to knock him down was almost like a check hook that was just meant to keep him at range. And because of Miocic's footwork, it put him flat on his ass. So I, I think that will have been shored up because I think maybe that, that that was something that that Verdum saw, and maybe that's why he tried to do that questionable game plan. Well, let's see if I can affect. Miocic's footwork and get him off balance the way that Dos Santos did and found so much success doing that. That didn't work out for him. Uh, And Dos Santos is not going to fight like Verdum did or like Nelson did where Nelson has no head movement. He's more of a combination of like a power of Overeem and the head movement of Arlovsky. And Miocic didn't didn't lose to either one of them. He had trouble with Overeem, but... And there's also the aspect of Miochik and his strikes. He doesn't seem to have the power at the end of his strikes at range that a lot of heavyweights do, and I think maybe that's why he fights in range a lot. And when you're fighting a Junior Dos Santos, you're facing a really basic boxer. Like, he's really good, but you're not going to see him throw a lot of kicks. He doesn't grapple, like, all that much. And even his strikes, it's really limited to, like, four or five strikes. And he, a lot of times, lulls people into that game, and a lot of this is going to
1: be a question of whether or not he can lull Miocic into that game. Well, the real question is not the real question. But one of the questions is, will this one go 25 minutes again? Ah, oh, man, that's that's the that's the question. I don't
0: think it will. I, I think don't that think so has. I think Miocic has more confidence in his hands than ever, and I don't think that Dos Santos has ever lost confidence in his hands, despite. Uh, some of his some of his ups and downs.
1: Absolutely. Well, we're gonna wrap this up, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you to everybody who was on the live chat. Sean, before I let you go and catch up with you next week, we hopefully will have a new looking podcast next week. It should be absolutely fantastic. Uh, hey, we got a post show. We got a post show. That is correct. I completely just beep, I would have remembered as soon as I signed off. But yes, Sean. Uh, And myself will be available uh, after UFC 211 is done with the poll show, which is obviously going to be fantastic. We get to recap all these crazy, crazy uh, boats. So it's going to be fantastic. Don't forget to catch us immediately after. Uh, I I usually send off a tweet and I say, the minute that last interview is done in the Octagon, I flick the computer on and we get this thing going uh, within two or three minutes. So be ready, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Tune in right now. Tell a friend. Sean wants you to tell 10, but we will be available right after UFC 211 with a live post-show podcast uh in the meantime sir then what do you got going on guys use those forums we got our forums back up mma
0: wrestling boxing movies tv music uh video games action figures anything you can think of submit questions for podcasts submit questions to our staff we want to make that forum a, a go-to for you guys we want to make it like a home for you guys where you can just go there and talk about absolutely anything and of course i have the list and your boy show with jimmy van tomorrow. I don't know how it's going to look. I don't know because we are trying desperately to get
1: Wirecast to work. I wish you guys the best of luck. I will look forward to it. I'm looking forward to seeing – the disaster that you two guys are because the podcast is actually fantastic. Uh, Jimmy Van and I did talk about it during lunch and both of us are perplexed uh, other than me saying congratulations to the both of you because it is a fantastic podcast. Uh, but other than that, we thank you very much for your time. Uh, Sean Ross I know you're a busy guy. You're still trying to learn uh, the new Wirecast system. And I'm very excited uh, just for the very fact that you can insert so many different things throughout the podcast. Uh, just Conor McGregor's voice works for me, but I- I'll send you some clips yeah. when the time is right. Other than that, Thank you very much for your time. Guys, girls, tune in right now and, and listen later on on iTunes and Stitcher. Please give Sean Ross a follow. He's absolutely fantastic on Twitter. Dumb as expert on Instagram. You? I don't know what the hell is Instagrams what about. Are you talking about? I like all his pictures because he's my boy. But I don't just follow him just follow him you'll know what i mean ladies and gentlemen give him a follow uh there's nothing intelligent about this kid um just don't just he's just out of control but give him a follow because uh i love my boy he's my boy despite that haircut uh give us all here at fightful a follow at fightful mma fightful com for all your go ahead look at that oh my gosh that's disturbing all right uh fightful mma best hair on fightful now Considering all of us are bald, but I digress, or most of us are. <laughs> uh, FightfulMMA.com for all your mixed martial arts news at FightfulMMA. And of course, yours truly, Joe Farrell, can be found on social media at Showdown Joe. We thank every single one of you who tuned in uh, live and afterwards. And don't forget, Saturday after UFC 211, Sean will probably be in a pissy mood if there's some bad refereeing, and it is Texas, it yeah. be a disaster. So oh, yeah. uh, we'll see what happens. We thank you all for tuning in for now. I say ciao for now.